It's episode 275 of the Biz Talk with Bill Roy podcast. The Wichita Business Journal created this podcast because we want to provide you with some insight into people, places, companies, organizations, and issues that are important to our business community. I'm Managing Editor Kirk Seminoff, sitting in for Bill. Well, the hiring of good people and retention of good people continues to be a challenge in Wichita and all around the country. We check in this week with Misty Bruckner, the director of Wichita State's Public Policy and Management Center, to talk about what she and the center are seeing from public organizations about keeping the best employees. But first, let me tell you about the weekly edition of the Wichita Business Journal. This week's cover story is Wichita and how attractive we are in the minds of restaurant franchises looking at locating in the air capital. Reporter Josh Witt talked with restaurant leaders who have either located here or in the process of locating here or have Wichita in their sights someday. It's an interesting tale of what makes Wichita a place to be for foodies. That story begins on page 14. This week's list is private companies. See who's at the top and learn why in difficult hiring times, some leaders of companies still see an opportunity for growth. The list is on page nine. Part of our mission is to help small and medium-sized businesses grow. One way we try to accomplish that is through our weekly lead section. We list bankruptcies, new real estate deals, building permits, new corporations, who owes back taxes, and court judgments. Our lead section this week begins on page 25. Equity Bank means business. That's why they've created business solutions to help you solve your business challenges. Visit them today at equitybank.com. Well, Misty Bruckner is the director of the Public Policy and Management Center at Wichita State University, and she's a terrific person to speak with about a big challenge to organizations and businesses right now. That's hiring and retention. Misty, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. First, let's not assume everyone knows about the the center and what it does. It's got a long history. Talk, Talk about how Public Policy and Management Center got its start at the university. Sure. Um, Public Policy Management Center has been around for more than 60 years. It was started by Dr. Hugo Wall with the intent that a public university should be actively engaged in public life and be a resource for the community. And while we expect that now in our universities, and certainly Wichita State does that, it was pretty um, far-reaching at that time, that thought process. And he fought for a number of years to get the center started. Uh, So, Since then, we we live on that legacy. Um, We do work across the state of Kansas, um, some into other states, but our area is really helping decision makers figure out how to use resources that the best they can uh, for their public organizations or for their community. So that's really where we um, try to fit, fit our work and certainly human resources and people are a huge part of how to use resources best. What is your background and how did you come to the center and and, and why do you love it so much? I know you have a kind of a deep passion for this. I do. Um, I came here as a graduate student, not not from Wichita originally, had uh, some great professors at the uh, public administration at the Hugo Wall School, uh, really found my niche in local government, went to work for the city of Wichita for about eight or nine years um, and saw, uh, did a lot of grass root works, working in neighborhoods, and saw the the good that can come from that when working collectively with the community. Um, And that afforded me the opportunity to come back to Wichita State and to work for the center. 
um, and to really um, be a part of local government across our state um, with a real strong stronghold of work in, in Wichita and the South Central Kansas. We want to talk about retention, and that's a that's a big challenge right now. We see it in just about every sector and industry. We, we write about it in the Business Journal. Is that what you're seeing as well? It's huge, um, you know, especially in public sector work where we spend most of our time. But you know, in in Wichita alone, you can look at areas um, in whether that's the sheriff in Sedgwick County and the challenges that have you know, made the news with re, with retention and the detention center, especially uh, calm care and mental health huge worker shortages down, you know, 40, 50% and still trying to deliver essential government services, right? These are these are the basics of, of what we expect for local government to do. See it in law enforcement, significant um, you know, decrease in the number of applicants, the number of qualified applicants, um, even areas like firefighters. If you've done surveys in firefighting, right? Like those are always the beloved ones, right? Firefighter, firefighters are, but even now, right? Trying to find folks to go into that is a challenge. Um, so public sector is, is definitely being part of it. Are, are there reasons that you can pinpoint? Is it, is it pay? Is it danger? <clears throat> what are the factors that are <clears throat> making it so hard to find talent these days? Well, I think in general, right, like we can just look at demographics of what's happened in, in workforce. And there's a there's a lot out there that talks about the demographic changes, um, changes that we saw coming with baby boomers for a long time. We knew it was coming um, for, for different reasons. You know, then uh, it didn't all happen at once. But then with COVID, right, and, and what has been labeled, you know, the Great Resignation have definitely um, brought that to our attention out of Grittery. Also, just like people, how we work is changing dramatically and generational differences for what people want in work. So the idea, like we know this, right, like the 20 year person, person who's going to work for a company for 20 years. It's just not where this generation, generations that are coming into the workforce are at. We look at gig economies for people are very comfortable doing contract work, moving from one place to the next. So it's not just one thing that we can look at and say, well, that's what caused it. There's been, you know, a, a bunch of different reasons have helped us be into this position that, that we are now. It does seem like a kind of a perfect storm, doesn't it? A lot of lot of factors come together. Uh, and like you said, we can't talk about one, but let's try to talk about one, which is the pandemic what effect do you think that had on people who were looking at their jobs and, and taking a different look at them, at how they valued them? Right. Well, I think there's lots of factors within the pandemic too, right? Some of it was, um, there wasn't a choice, right? So I think there's a lot that has been shared with women that were impacted disproportionately uh, during that time with childcare and how do we um, address that? So I think that's that's one part of it. But then I think there's the, there truly is, if you talk to people, this mental part of what do I want in my balance of life to move this forward? And is that going? And now we're seeing where we don't have enough workers. How do we listen to employees differently um, to see about they are choosing to work for us, right? They are choosing to work for us. And how do we, how do we um, create the environment where we are having the folks make that choice to stay in an organization to work for? Again, I work mostly in public sector. Things like, um, you know, remote work. Sometimes that that's an option, and sometimes that's not. But there's also equity issues when you get into that for for, for employers as well. So there's a lot of ways that new topics, right, that have come up um, are impacting 
impacting the work of, of keeping people in positions. Do, do public organizations have a little bit have it a little bit tougher because they are traditionally slower to react to uh, to change or to, to factors or issues? Um, I would say that there are public organizations that are quicker than others, so I wouldn't want to label them all. Right? That's true. I think yeah. I think there are there are some there are some uh, organizations who have, have got that. I certainly think that's an image that sometimes right that that is well deserved. Um, that that we have based in. Um, systems that are not easy to move sometimes, but I think we have to figure that out um, to, to be there. I think there's also just the reality of the attack on public service. And I would be remiss not to, not to point that out, right? We, we have high expectations. Um, these are public goods. These are, these are our communities. These are our local governments. Um, and the only way that gets better is if we are all engaged and actively supporting for all of them to be better. So I think that that's another part of what we are seeing. I think you can see demographic changes of college students and master students that we work with of what they wanna go into. And there's a lot of trend of going into more nonprofit work than local government or state government work that we've been seeing for a, for a while. Um, how do we get back to the work that is done in public service, right? Is, is important work that makes communities drive um, and how do we support that going? You know, in any organization, whether it be public or, or private, there are top performers, star achievers, there are underperformers too. And I'm curious what you have seen or heard from public organizations about the underperformers. And during this time when it is so hard to find talent and to retain talent, are, are managers tending to be a more lenient of underperforming employees? And is that a mistake? It is a mistake. I don't know if it is more lenient, but it's a good excuse, right? So there are a few of us right, that that um, that the commitment, right, that it takes to move someone from where they are performing to where they need to be performing is a lot of work, and the the, the ability to have honest conversations with somebody about their performance is a trait that I think um, is not always easily identified or found, right? And so having people to say, this is going well, this is not going well, here's options for you to improve. Um, so managing for almost 30 years, right? It's a skill set that I that I have had to develop, right? It's not something that came natural in, in that effort. So I think it's both. I think we, I, I think, we use that as an excuse not to deal with issues. Um, and I think it's a huge mistake to deal with underperformers because research shows the impact that that has on an organization. And you know that as a person, right? If you are dealing with somebody that is an underperformer and they're on your team or you're working across the, you know, the aisle with them, you don't want to do that. You don't want to come to work and put up with that. And yet we avoid um, because there's conflict involved and that makes lots of us uncomfortable. So I think so. I think yes, we use it as an excuse, and no, I don't think we. I don't think traditionally we are very good at that either. So. You know, I've supervised folks for over twenty years now, and I can. I'll never forget one of the first things I was told about being a manager is you want to spend eighty percent of your time with the people who are achieving the most, with your highest achievers, but it it invariably ends up the other way. Right. Uh, 
did did what we're in right now even accentuate that? It made it even tougher to spend the time with your star achievers. I think it, it absolutely right because we're so thin, right? We're so we are all almost all organizations that I know of are looking are understaffed right now, and most folks are doing multiple jobs to uh, continue the work that's needed. So I think we are we are stretched thin for those who are in in any workforce. So. Um, a strategic approach to dealing with the management issues is um, not something that I think a lot of us are afforded to have. And so you think, but that's a mistake, right? How do you really think about who is um, getting, performing the work that you need at the highest level? So you definitely want to keep them. And what does that need to look like to keep them, right? Because if they walk out the door, there's tangible loss, but there's intangible loss to your organization that you have to focus on. Same thing with under underperformers, right? It may be a performance issue where you can where you can coach them up to get to where they need to be, right? Um, or maybe this is just not the right fit. So going back to you know Jim Collins' principles of do you have the right people on the right on the bus and do you have the right people in the right seat? I think it's part of that first analysis to, to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, is it safe to say that that managers and leaders have to be much better listeners than maybe they have been in the past? I think that's culturally, right? I think that is a change in time that we've all all had to, to do that. Um, and I, I know I've mentioned generations a couple of times, but there's we're dealing with several generations in the workforce that work differently and what those generations need looks different. And um, you know, when I came into the workforce, very different from what folks that, you know, and, and I'm fortunate that we have students and graduate students who are always a part of our team. So we are used to that, right? And we value that. Um, but it can be a change for, you know, organizations and thinking through that. So yeah, listening and understanding um, and what's motivating and what's what are rewards, right? That can look very different by each, by each person that you're you are leading. I hadn't really thought of that. Do are you you're kind of at the forefront in a in a university role of seeing generational change as as, as students become professionals, right? Do you, right. <laughs> what have you seen lately compared to over the years? Oh, I, you know, I I think that the desire to serve and make difference, I, part of that is public service. People who go into public service, that's always there. But I really do think the the generations that are especially coming right out of college and, and going into their grad work or going into professional careers, that's a huge part of who they are. And so I think we really need to rely on that, whether they do that in a formal uh, government job or whether they do that as volunteerism, right? I think there's a lot of wonderful things coming out and, and being a part of that. I also think part of this um, uh, not being afraid to fail, right? I, I think there's a little bit more spirit about that. Um, and there's, people that, you know, can talk about why that, that may be part of that. I think those are some of the really good things that I see, you know, on a, on a daily basis and ability to speak up in the environment, which I'm not sure when I first started, whether that was who I was or who I wasn't, you know, or, you know, that that was a personal or a professional effort going on, but, um, you want their input, right? You, you want that. There's a lot to be said for, you know, mentoring, it goes both ways and so fortunate to have our our next generation who I definitely count on for their input for how things are viewed and how this looks in the community and, and what, what that needs to be. So can't say mm-hmm. enough good things about that. 
you know, your center, you and your center, you work with organizations to gather feedback uh, from employees. And I'm, I'm assuming that that process now is even more important in this hiring and retention time than in, in past years. How does that process work? And is that right? It's, it's, it's become a little more important. Now? Absolutely. I think when, you know, we talk about retention is asking the questions and creating that feedback loop. There's some things, Hey, right. There's, there are, that is always going to be at the forefront of, of employees, right. Is, is the pay that compensation is just a fact of that. But there are other intangible things that you do have control over and creating a dialogue and a culture where people want to work goes a long ways in how you can retain folks. And you can't do that if you don't have conversations and honest conversations about it, right? There are some things you can change and there are some things that you may not be able to and having that part of that uh, in your normal culture is critical for retaining people. I also think it's the individual, like getting to know people, what motivates them is another thing that almost all supervisors can do. Um, I always give an example as one time I would, you know, give people credit in an office meeting, like, you know, Joe did a great job on this. I'm, you know, I really want to publicly thank Joe for leading on that. And it took me like three years before Joe came up to me and said, I hate that. Please never do that again. I don't like it when you call attention to me. You know, and here I thought I was doing this really good thing by calling out Joe and thanking him, you know, in a public setting. And I was, you know, and so that's when I'm like, but you know what you really liked? And I'm, this is a made up name, right? But this person really like, if we could just go have lunch, like every couple of months and we could talk about these things, that'd be great, right? But until I asked that person, like, I'm so sorry, I've been like making you uncomfortable for three years by doing that, but what could I do, right? Well, there's a novel idea. Ask somebody what makes them feel valued. That's something we all can do. I have found that, yeah, there it, it runs the gamut. There are people who want to be singled out at every opportunity and people who would just rather be part of the wallpaper at all times. Right. Uh, are, are public organizations generally good or what, what's the scale of how good they are as, as a, in terms of once they receive feedback and reports from you, you analyze the data. Are they good at, at, at carrying through with, with what to do next? I think, right, it, it just at any organization, it depends on that leadership at the top and the commitment to the resources they have to do that and how they've set up that structure to move that work forward. So I think it's a big investment to to. Uh, ask employees and go through a formal process, whether that's through a strategic planning effort, right, or an organizational assessment or, or a pure engagement process. There's a commitment to that. So we work really hard with, with those managers to talk about what's your implementation plan. And just the old, like, don't start this if you don't have a, like, the worst thing you can do is ask for people's feedback and then do nothing with it, right? Like that completely breaks down trust. So you know, I think we try to wave as many flags as we can in front of people. Like if you're going to do this, you, you need a plan for implementation and carrying this through. That's for community engagement, right? That's for any type of trust building with, with customers or employees is to have a plan of how you're, you're going to do that. Do they all go perfect? No. But, right, I think there's a lot to be said for having at least that conversation afterwards and some tangible steps that can be done, even if it's one or two uh, things to start making making the difference. I'm interested in what you see ahead as we start to wrap up. Um, you know, we, we are through the pandemic. We see the baby boomers retiring at, at just amazing rates right now. 
What do you see, you know, short term and long term for for hiring and retention? Yeah. So I think the organizations that are going to be successful are the ones that are going to create a culture where people want to stay. I mean, this has been this this is a big change for us. People don't have that loyalty of staying 20 or 30 years, right? That that is gone. So to keep people in a, they have, they are choosing to work for you. So what are you doing to, to make an environment? And it's not, it's not about what you say. It's about what you, how you treat people and what you do. And do you care about them being as successful as they can? That doesn't mean still, right? They're going to be with you for four or five years. But when you are there, right, is that going to be, are they going to give they're, they're all right to the purpose and the work that you are doing. And are you helping them grow to go on to do great things in other places? I think that's part of our mentality that we have to have um, in moving this forward. I, I think we're going to have to figure out what services and how do we how do we get to the place where we have the enough people to do the work we have to do? I think that's a huge issue in public sector work um, to do that forward. Assuming there's a lot within private sector too, that that's the same same similar question that, that they are wrestling with. Um, but I do go back to that culture is going to be, it's always been important. It's even going to be more critical for how do we move, uh, retain people and be and have a reputation for being a place where people want to work. Mm-hmm. Well, I know as we keep writing about retention problems and hiring problems, both public and privately, it's going to be fascinating to watch over the next couple of years. Misty, thanks so much. Misty Bruckner with Public Policy and Management Center at Wichita State. Keep doing the great work. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Kurt. Appreciate you. That's it for Biz Talk with Bill Roy this week, episode 275. Check out all our podcast episodes at our Biz Talk with Bill Roy hub. It's at wichitabusinessjournal.com. Thank you for listening and subscribing. Biz Talk with Bill Roy is a production of the Wichita Business Journal. Thanks very much to our sponsor, Equity Bank. Creating the business concept turned out to be the easy part. The challenges that follow is where Equity Bank comes in. Equity Bank was built by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let them help your business evolve and solve your challenges. Tomorrow is here. Visit them today at equitybank.com forward slash evolve. Be well and be safe. Have a profitable week.